Father, this morning we come to you. Your word says anyone who comes to him must believe that he is. Now, Father, we put aside everything. We believe you are in our midst. We believe as the word is being preached, the power of God is here to heal, to deliver, to set captives free. I pray faith will arise. Faith will arise. People will believe. Here, everywhere, wherever they are listening, that you are there. Because you are the same yesterday, today, forever. And God is not a man that he should lie. When you said, if you gather in my name, I shall be in your midst. We believe. We honor you. We revere you. Give us attentive ears to listen to what you are saying. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Speak to us, O Lord. And as we speak, as I speak, you speak. And I pray. We will not go back the way we came. That the son of righteousness shall rise with healing under his wings. Even if we came sick, we came discouraged, we came depressed, we shall go back healed. We shall go back as calves released from the stone. For that is who you are. So I release this time, your word, into thy hands, O Lord. It shall not come back void. For in Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. In every story, the little boy is always stormy, okay? The house was full of guests. And the mother said, little Tommy, would you pray? And little Tommy was nervous. He looked at the whole set of people in the house and said, but what do I say? So Mama encouraged him and said, say what Mama says. That's a very dangerous thing to tell children. Okay? So he put his head down, just like his mother does, closed his eyes, and tried to imitate his voice as best as he could said, and said, Lord, why did I invite all these people for dinner? Now that you're relaxed, let's look to the Lord and his word. We begin with John 10.10. 10. Remember, that's what we are, we are looking at. The thief comes, except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come, that they may have life. And they may have it more. But you know what God said? You know what it means? He has come. He's here. That we may receive more life than yesterday. His life. More life than yesterday. That should be our life. Every time you meet Jesus, we go back with more of his life. That's what faith does. Faith appropriates the very power of God, the very life of God and draws from it. And we don't come back, go back the way we came. We go back with more of his life. Okay. So there is one who brings death. There is another one who brings life. The devil 
is trying to bring death into our midst, into our lives. But Jesus, every time he comes, he comes to give life. We looked at different ways in which death comes and how life comes. One of the ways in which death, the most, most important thing about death is what Jesus says is, or destruction is, my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. The knowledge of God. Not other knowledge. Other knowledge, you can be destroyed in this world, but still can be eternally be saved, like Lazarus. He did not know much about the basic fundamentals of succeeding in life. Lived a beggar, died a beggar, but he knew something. He knew about eternity. And therefore, when he died, he didn't go to the wrong place. So you can be destroyed because you do not have education, skills to go up in this world. Yes, but eternally we are looking at it. The knowledge of God. My people are destroyed because they do not have the knowledge of God. So we need the knowledge of God. And Peter's final words to, words to mankind is grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of God. Okay? The knowledge of God. And standing between knowing the knowledge of God, unlike any other knowledge, unlike any other knowledge in the world, in receiving the knowledge of God stands pride. Pride does not stand in the way of receiving the knowledge of the world. You can be proud and get a PhD in chemistry, physics, math, any subject. It does not stop you. But receiving the knowledge of God, it is impossible for a proud man to hear from God. Because God opposes the proud. He will not speak to the proud. Understand that. So, that's why the Bible says, receive with meekness the word of God. And Jesus said, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. And you have to remember what God told finally after everybody stopped speaking and God spoke. What he spoke to Job and about he was describing about who he is and as a creator. And he brings the devil over there and introduces him as Leviathan. And this is what he says in the book of Job about Leviathan. He says, can I have it, Job? Yeah. I didn't give it to you. 41.34. I'm sorry. 41.34. He says, you know what? The devil, what he does, he beholds every high thing. And he is king over all the children of pride. God rules over the meek. The devil rules over the, over the proud. And that's how it will be finally be separated. The goats and the sheep. The sheep and the goats. The sheep are meek. They are ruled by Jesus. The goats are proud and they are ruled by the devil. So these are fundamentals you need to realize. When you come to God, humble thyself. Okay? Don't ask God to humble you. He will humiliate you. You don't want that. Humble yourself. That's the best way. Humble yourself. Okay. So that's, these are primary fundamental things which we need to do. So God sets before us every day when you wake up. He sets you life. That's why we are awake. Life and death, blessings and curses. And he says, choose. You choose. We choose life. One of the first ways you choose life is that everything that has breath, Praise the Lord. Begin your day with every day. Begin your day by praising God. Because he gave you life. And it is exemplified by your breathing. You are alive. Use that first to praise God. And to thank God. Thank you Lord. 
September is over. I'm here in the 10th month, 90 days to go. And it is written in the 10th year of a woman who has been completely demolished by the enemy. She lost her husband. She lost her two sons. She's got two unbelieving, not Gentile daughters-in-law. And the word of God says, in the 10th year, the Lord visited Bethlehem. And there was bread in the house of God. So we are in the 10th month. If nine months nothing happened, he is visiting you, if you believe. And there is bread in the house of God. For God has visited. So put aside nine months of silence, of failure. Look with faith always. Look with faith. Because that's how it works. Because the the kingdom of God on earth in the lives of people is built on, on two pillars. And this is the way Bible says. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. The first pillar is the word of God. You need the word of God. You need the word of God. And that's why when the church gathered in Jerusalem, they came for the apostles' doctrine. You need the word of God. And then you need hearing. You need hearing. You need to hear. You need to hear. One is the principles of the word of God. Other is the leading of the Holy Spirit. You need both. You need both. Don't ever settle down to status quo. Some verses I may speak which I haven't given to you over there, so be fast. Give me Ephesians 4.18. Give me Ephesians 4.18 and after that give me Genesis 13.14. As I'm sticking to the word of God, I'm also allowing the Holy Spirit to speak. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. My people perish because of lack of knowledge. If you are ignorant, you are cut away from the very life of God. You are living your own life where God's life is not coming. Look at this. Being alienated from the life of God because of what? Because of ignorance and because of the blindness of their hearts. Blindness, spiritual blindness is a terrible thing. Spiritual deafness is a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. Ignorance of who God is is a terrible thing because you are living a life cut away from the life of God. So you know what we are? We are like one of those old Hollywood movies, Dead Men Walking. That's what the Bible says in James. He who does not have the spirit is dead. He's dead. You may be alive, but you are dead. Go to Genesis chapter 13 and verse 14. And the Lord said to Abraham, after the Lord had separated from him, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward. Listen now today. Listen now carefully. Because this is not the teaching of the word. This is prophetic. Lift up your eyes. First you need is the ability to hear. Abraham is standing over there. There's a separation that has taken place. Lot has taken the best part of the real estate and gone. And God said, and if God says, are you able to hear? Lift up your eyes and look. If God says, are you able to see? 90 days ahead, are you able to see? To the east, to the west, to the north, to the south, are you able to see? Because when Abraham heard and lifted his eyes and he saw, what he saw is the promise for his dissonance. For in him is Christ, and in Christ is you and me, and the whole earth has been given to them. 
and the meek shall possess the earth. See and hear. There is the word of God. There is a hearing and there is a seeing. Because if you don't see, yes, the church of Laodicea, God says you're blind. You're wretched. You are naked. You're so close to being spewed, spewed out of my mouth. And you don't even know it. He says, buy from me balm for your eyes that you may see. The blood of Jesus for our ears that we may hear. So there is the word of God. And there is faith. There is the son of God. And there is the spirit of God. And God always operates with the truth of this thing. So don't say, I hear, when your fundamentals are absolutely wrong. That's how the devil deceives. Your fundamentals in the word of God is absolutely covered. You are not living the life which the word of God says. Your life is in disorder. But I heard, no, you did not hear. You did not hear. It was the devil who spoke to you. Not God. But your life is absolutely in order. But you cannot hear. I know. If you don't hear, you don't see. You don't hear, you don't see. That's why God says they have uncircumcised ears and blind eyes. The way eyes are open and ears are opened is you pray the prayer, Lord, circumcise my heart. When your heart is circumcised, your ears are open and your eyes can see. Otherwise, we'll be caught, tossed about constantly. And we are not steady. We are not steady. Because purpose in even Abraham's, he's almost 10 years probably in the promised land. Purpose is still not defined. He still doesn't know what he's doing over there. But when he hears, lift up his eyes, his purpose for the rest of his life is decided. This is what you will do. This is why I brought you from the Arab of the Chaldeans and gave it, brought you to this promised land. This is why you are here. So, just don't come to learn. Also come to hear. Come to hear. Come to hear. Because we have to hear. Because that's what our God is. Our God is a living God. And he speaks to his children. My sheep hear my voice. Okay. So he comes to give us life. What life? Almost 6,000 years ago, God stooped over Adam and breathed into his nostrils and became a living being, a living soul. And then he sinned, he lost that life. 2,000 years earlier, Jesus came to the upper room and he breathed upon his disciples and said, receive. That was his life. This is the blessing of Abraham, the spirit of God came upon them. The life of God. What life is that? That is the life of Christ Jesus. What life is that? That overcame death, sin, and Satan. That is the life he breathed into us when we were born again. In us is the life of God that overcomes the devil, overcomes sin, and overcomes Satan. That is what Zoe means. The life of God. And that's the life God has breathed into us. Whatever or whoever is born of God, the Bible says, overcomes the world. The whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. Doesn't matter. You are of God. If you are of God, even though the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one, you are not. Because you believe 
belong to a kingdom where he has no power, he has no authority, he has no influence. So when we God Jesus talks about his life, that is the life you have come to receive. And that life is in the word. In the life. That word that can save you is very near you. When you hear, if you believe. If you believe. If you confess with your mouth. It will save you. It will save you. So receive that life every time. Or even in your personal meditation. Personal meditation. I'd finished the entire service of the message for this day. Early in the morning. Finished everything. And then, while I was waiting to leave home, that's when God spoke to me these two verses. Genesis 4.18 Genesis 13, 14. Okay. And that gave me a perspective for October. What he's trying to tell us. So the word of God, principles, faith, direction. That's how he leads us. Hearing. Because ultimately, remember, Galatians 5, 6 and 5, 15. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working or expressing through love. The only thing that matters is faith working or expressing through love. And verse 15, oh, not that, not that. 6, 6.50. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. That's what we are. A new creation. How does the new creation walk? In faith, by love. Or by faith, in love. That's how the new creation works. We are a new creation. Old things have passed away. That old life should be dead. Every morning, get up and die and live. That's the blessing of Abraham. Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. There is something in us that can hold any amount. That is your spirit. Every day, take in more of the Spirit. For he gives the spirit without measure. Now how do you receive life? How do you receive blessings? By receiving the spirit of God. Because he is the custodian of life. And he is the custodian of all blessings. And Eliezer, probably Eliezer, the chief servant, went to find a bride for Rebekah. He took ten camels loaded with gifts. Because he was the custodian of Abraham's property. And the Spirit of God is here with us. Therefore here. Therefore here. Everyone has their marked position in Christ Jesus. They have their territory defined. They have their promises. They have their blessings. And they have their resources. Know it. Find it. And fulfill the purpose of God in your life. It was all given to Abraham. But in Abraham was Christ. And in Christ was us. All of us. Fulfill your destiny. So we have to get to these fundamentals. And that is the life of faith. And Paul is the one who understood it because his eyes were open. He prayed that the eyes of our understanding be open. Give us the spirit of 
wisdom. I, eyes were open. And he understood this. You know what? Real life is what Galatians 2.20 says. Right? What is that? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by or through the faith of the Son of God. That life comes through faith. And he says, that's the life. He says, but it can only happen if I first die. First I die, then I love. When I love, Christ loves through me. You know what? Devil has no answer to Christ. Absolutely no answer to Christ. Like I said last time, like Martin Luther, when the devil knocked at the door, and let Jesus open. Don't open. Then you will enter into a conversation with him like Eve. That is the life. But, 1 Corinthians 15, 19 also says, but only if in this life we have hope in Christ, we are of men the most pitiable. Be focused. We are talking about eternity. Eternity. Your temporary life should matter in eternity. If your temporal life you are living today does not have any bearing in eternity, you are the most pitiable of people. Most pitiable of people. It should have a bearing in eternity. Because the people in Canaan must have thought, what's wrong with this crazy old man? He's so rich. He's got so much slaves and property or cattle and flocks and he never stays in one place. It's forever rolling his tent and is moving, rolling his tent and moving. He'll never build, he'll never settle down. And if they were of our time, they would have told Abraham, haven't you heard the English proverb? English wasn't there. A rolling stone gathers no moss. But he would have told, but my Lord said, keep rolling. They wouldn't have thought, this man is crazy. This man doesn't know how to settle. If he keeps on moving like that, though he says father of nations and he has children, how will they ever study in one school? Our normal thinking. But that man was moving. And he was moving. And he was moving. And he was moving. And he was just possessing the land for his descendants. Because God said, look. But today, we are not looking at Abraham. When we look at Abraham, we have to see Christ. We don't look at anybody in the Bible without seeing Christ. You see them as the Christ in them, or you see where they are Christless. And learn from them when they were Christless, and learn from the Christ in them. So, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of death. Only one thing that matters. What is that? Faith, working through or expressing through love. And when that love has been perfected in us. On the day of judgment, what do we have? Boldness. Think about it. Think about it. You can stand boldly before Jesus. Not arrogantly, but boldly before Jesus. That's Paul. Absolutely bold. I know what I'm getting. I'm getting the crown of righteousness, not medal. And not participatory certificate. Certificate of participation. A lot of people get for our 20k run, no? They never, they participated and disappeared in the middle. There are a lot of people like that. Came in and disappeared. 
God says no. He says no. I got in with a purpose. I am finishing. And I'm finishing well. I'm getting the crown of my righteousness. You know what? Boldness. Why? Because as he is, so we are in this world. You know why he was able to say? These people were able to say? They said, we are not living our lives. We are crucified with Christ Jesus. And the life that we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God. We live by faith in the Son of God. The faith of the Son of God. So today, this morning, Hebrews 12, verse 1, Therefore we are, or since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses. We are surrounded of the greatest is Christ. Verse 2 will talk about Christ. Verse 1 talks about a cloud of witnesses. Starting from the noble, able, righteous, able onwards is a cloud of witnesses. And we can learn from them all. But what you learn from them is what the spirit of Christ is speaking through their lives. What do we learn? To put away things, sin that easily entangles and snares, and wait, every wait. We learn, we need to learn to put away weights. Turn with me to this morning, Second Samuel, or oh, First Samuel, not Second, sorry, First Samuel, okay, chapter 30. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. In verse 18, So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his wives. Keep that in mind. 90 days to go. God restored all. David recovered all. God is a God of restoration. That's how we began nine months ago. God is a God of restoration. But if God has to restore what the enemy has stolen, we have to recover what he has taken. It's not going to come without a fight. It is not going to come without you battling for it. But God is for you in the fight. And he is with you in this fight. So we are on the road to recovery. Road to restoration. If we all know for Samuel 30 by now. And if you have heard us speak from it so many times. First Samuel 30. Okay? 30. In First Samuel 30, David is 30 years old. Okay? Easy to remember. First Samuel 30, he's 30 years old. And he's going through darkest day in his life. Never before, never after, he will encounter a day like that in his entire life. That's why we learn from witnesses. How did they go through the darkest night of their life and recover all? Recover all. How did he do that? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he did for David, he will do it for me too. Because he hasn't changed.
It is the darkest day. It is literally when with the capital D, the day of evil has come. And the only question to be asked is, will David stand? Or will David stumble? So let us read the first six verses. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, burned it with fire. And he had taken captive the women and those who were with them from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was so greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because of the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters, but, but David strengthened himself in the Lord or encouraged himself in the Lord. If you notice verse 1, all is lost. Everything is lost. They left nothing there. All is lost because the enemy comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. When he steals, if he gets an opportunity, he will take everything. On the other side of the lane of my our church office, there is this family, and a few years back, their son got married, the big Samyana, all this thing. And uh, two nights later, how I know is because they came, because we had the CCTV camera, so they came, the cops came. Because at midnight, in two trips, the thieves came and took everything that was downstairs. Everything, including the sugar and the gas cylinder. There was nothing left. The only thing they did not do was sweep the house. Because I think they took the brooms also. It is something like that. Everything has been taken. What is that has been burned? There's nothing left. The thief comes to, but one thing. Yeah, go to verse 2. Verse 1. We were at verse 1, right? You know what? They didn't kill. They didn't kill. Took them alive. But remember, this is perspective after the event is over. So David and the men do not know they are alive. They don't know they are alive. Okay? They don't know they are alive. But, stolen, but not killed. Why is it so important? As long as you have life, there is hope. As long as you have a little, teeny, weeny little faith left, there is hope. You have a reputation of being alive. But you're almost dead. Strengthen those things that are that remain. Little things. If you have come here today with a mustard seed faith, you have hope. Because as long as there is life, as long as there is faith, all you need, you may not even have strength or time enough to cry out like Peter, Lord help me. All you have can say is Lord. I didn't even tell my wife. Last Tuesday, if you remember, it was pouring. And I was driving back, as usual, on my scooter. 
pouring into us. And you know, there are these new speed breakers put over there which neither man nor animal can see in the night. And I was coming. I went over it and my scooter skidded. I did not have time to say, Lord, help me. All I had time was to say, Lord, loud. And the scooter straightened. It just straightened like this. And I reached home. Okay, Let me tell you, like I keep telling you, 30 years later, I, I celebrated 30 years of driving. I still cannot ride a bicycle because I don't have balance. And I still do not have accidents because he holds my hand. Because when I start driving, I do not stand. start driving by strength. I start driving in weakness. And I always tell Lord, you taught me then, you still keep me now. Because you know, I ain't good with these things. Technical things, Lord, you know, I ain't good. So let me tell you, there will be a split second. You don't even have time to complete a sentence. All you can say is, Lord. And he will straighten and make you stable. So here, all is stolen. But all are alive. All are alive. What is lost can be regained. Why? Because it is written in Luke 19 and verse 10, the mission statement of Jesus Christ. Why did he come? To seek, to save the lost. That's why he came. To seek, to save the lost. David lost everything. And the God of David empowered him to recover everything. And Luke 15 and verse 24, the father says, For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found because the son of man has come to seek to save the lost. So this morning, if you are grieving or troubled about a lost child, there is hope for you. Because there is a God who will allow you cause you to recover the ones you have lost. That's where faith comes. Because one thing you need to realize, the son is there, he's forgotten everything about the home until he reaches a position when he comes and starts thinking of the house. But the father has never forgotten the son. Never forgotten the son. Because we know when the son comes back, maybe months later, weeks later, years later, the father sees him from far. Why? Because he knows what is the time in the evening the visitors to the town, the travelers come back. And every evening he's standing there and watching for that familiar face, the familiar movement. And he sees his sons from far. And he runs. Because he never gave up hope. And he says, my son was dead, but he's alive. My son was lost. And he was found. Don't give up. Never give up. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4 and 5. Nevertheless I have this against you. That you have left your first love. Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. Else I will come and remove. Maybe you lost your first love. It can be found. Maybe you lost that in your marriage. 
It's two dead people living in the same house. It can be found. Maybe you lost your first love, your zeal for God. It's gone. It can be found. Because there is someone who's here to see that you recover what is lost. What is We had this question yesterday and we answered this question. What is that we need to do? Do the things which you did in the first. What did you do? What did you do? Go back and do it. With God and with man. What is that what you did? What is that what you did? What did you do? With God. Your spouse. Your children. Your children will never grow too old for you. Children are always children. Always children. When my children were born, they were born. I carried them. I hugged them. I kissed them. Now I cannot carry them. They can carry me. I can't carry them. But I still hug them and kiss them every day. Because you never stop doing the things which you did in the first. But that's what our father does. He says, the thoughts that I have for you cannot be counted. Your name is engraved in the palms of my hand. The beloved of the Lord rides upon my shoulders. Do the things which you did in the first. Your zeal for God should never go down. Your love for God should never go down. If you have lost it, let me tell you, you can find it. Otherwise, what will happen? He says, you know what other will happen? I will remove the lampstand. We answered it yesterday. Do you know what it means? It is means to live a life where there is no light of God. A darkened life. Imagine living in darkness. That's the final experience God gave Israel before he left, took them out of Egypt. Three days of absolute total pitch darkness where the Egyptians were not able to move and the Israelites had little light. He says, don't live those You know, a life without love is a dark life. A home where there is no love is a dark home. People don't die because of lack of food. They die because of lack of love. God says if you have lost it, you can find it. Because there is one who is in the business of recovery. He's heaven's recovery agent. Not collection agent. Recovery agent. Things which the enemy has stolen. He's there to give it back to us. But there is a battle. You have to battle. Joel 1.4 and then 2.25. The chewing locust left. The swarming locusts are eaten. What the swarming locusts left, the crawling locusts has eaten. What the crawling locusts have left, the consuming locusts, all kinds of locusts. Whatever is left, other fellow comes and eats. In Malayalam, we have a saying, I don't know how to translate it. It says, See, in Kerala, they eat in hotels, they serve you in plantain leaves. Okay? And after that, they throw it out. The dog will come and eat it all. The dog that comes in late, this dog has already eaten. Only he's left is some sambar on his lips so that fellow will lick his face. This is what he's talking about. Whatever is left, the other fellow has eaten. And finally, you have the consuming locust. Nothing is left. Everything is gone. Everything is gone. Your health is gone, your wealth is gone, your time is gone. Everything is gone. 
And then God comes. And in verse 25, know what he says? I will restore you the years that swarming locust has eaten. The crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust. He says, I will restore it all. I will restore it all back to you, he says. So it does not matter even you have lost everything and there are not even dregs left in the coffee cup. He says, I can restore it to you. I can. I can. That's where faith comes. I can. I believe. I can. In Judges chapter 16 and verse 20. She said, the Philistines are upon you. Samson, she, he, so he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from me, from him. I'm talking to somebody somewhere around here or in the world. If you have lost your anointing, you can even recover that. If you have lost your anointing, you can recover that. For it is written in verse 28. Then Samson called upon the Lord. Then he called upon the Lord. He's blind, chained to the pillars. He called out to the Lord. And he said, Lord, remember me, I pray. You know what? The anointing came back. And the anointing came back in a way he had never experienced that kind of anointing ever in his life. For it is written how he finished his life. It says, in the next verse it says, Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might. And the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his entire life. He went out of this earth in a blaze of glory, killing the enemies of God. Because God restored him, his anointing, much more than he ever had. Because our God is a God who restores. Who restores. And in Second Kings chapter 6 and verse 5, As one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe had fell into the water, and he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. The honor is somebody else. He gave you an accent. The honor is somebody else. He gave you and me accents or gifts of the spirit to be used for the kingdom. But we were careless. We lost the gifts. We lost the gifts. Now we are no longer skillful. There are trees to cut. There is a wood to be leveled. But the accent is gone. Lost your gift. Lost your talent. Lost your talent. You know what the Lord says? In verse 7. Therefore he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. He went to the right man. The man of God. The prophet of God. Who took a piece of wood. Threw it into the water. And the most extraordinary miracle in the Bible. It is written. The accent floated. Every gift that you have lost. I speak in the name of the Lord. It will come back. It will come back. Cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. Let it come back. Because you cannot excel in the kingdom of God unless you have gifts. Because it is written, the gift of a man shall make him stand before kings. Daniel stood before king after king after king because he had a gift. 
And Joseph stood before the Pharaoh and excelled because he had a gift. And if you have lost your gift, there is a God who says, you can recover it. You can recover it. Cry out to the Lord because he is a God who restores. He is a father who loves blessing his children. Do you remember the first time Pastor Sharon came to India? Remember the first time? She was hurt because of something that happened over there and she hadn't sung for years. She hadn't sung for years. And I looked at her and told, Ma, you got a gift. You got a gift. You cannot hide it. You need to bring it out again. That's how she started singing. And she sings and sings. And prison doors are open for her now. All around New York and other places, they call her, come and sings. And when she goes there and ministers in songs, prisoners are set free. The gift will come back. It will come back. Whatever you have lost, there is a God who is willing to give it back to you. Cry out to him. In every case, if you have noticed, they cried out to him. Every case, they cried out. And God answered. So you have to believe. In First Samuel chapter 30 and verse 19, the Bible says when he finished, nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great. When they recovered, they recovered it all. It didn't matter whether it was something small or something big. God gave it all back. Give it all back. Sons and daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Or it's eight. When he asked the Lord... He had asked the Lord, remember? Shall I go? Okay. Shall I pursue? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail overtake. Now let's go to verse 1. Because we, we all fit into this. Somebody or other will fit into these scenarios. Okay. Verse 1. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. Ziklag is the city where David and his people live. This is a backslidden Christian. Absolute, total, backslidden Christian. Living in enemy territory. 16 months earlier, because of fear, he had moved into the Philistine camp. The enemy's camp. This is what is written in chapter 27, verse 2 to 4. David arose and went over with 600 men who were with him to Akish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. Gath is where Goliath is from. And now he's there. So David dwelt with Akish at Gath, and he and his men, each man with his household, and David with his two wives, Ahinom and Abigail. Verse 4. And it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he sought him. You were tired of this spiritual battle or this prayer, fasting. How long, Lord? I'm tired. I want some peace. And you went into the enemy territory. You went into the world. And for a season, everything looked okay. 
They looked okay. okay. You know, that's exactly what happens. When you leave church and go into the world, for a season, everything looks honky-dory. The day is coming. The day of reckoning is coming. The day of reckoning is coming. You are in the enemy territory. What are you doing in the Philistine territory? What are you doing? And then 16 months later, it is written. The Amalekites came. Who came? The Amalekites came. Who is Amalekites? The symbol of your flesh. Do you know David was never defeated by anybody except his own flesh and his own flesh and blood? Nobody ever defeated David. Pastor Vijay spoke through two weeks about the seven nations that is in Canaan. Don't worry about the seven nations, Canaan. That is for those who have entered the promised land and fighting. But on the way, there is something called Amalek. If you do not overcome your flesh, forget other battles. In Exodus 17, when Israel has come out of Egypt and it's in the wilderness and they have no water. And they start to come. See, the problem is these people always forget what God has done yesterday. That's why I said don't forget what God did nine months. Don't forget what he has done because he never changes. So the Bible says, all the congregation of the children of Israel set out their journey from the wilderness of sin according to the commandment of the Lord and camped in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. What did they do? They started complaining. Verse 5, yes, quickly. And the Lord said to Moses, they started complaining and Moses was so upset that the Lord, what is this? They want to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, go on. Before the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb and you shall strike the rock and the water will come out of it and that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, Is not the Lord among us or not? Always question, is God with us? Is God with us? Don't you question? Don't you question? Don't question. It's got nothing to do with your feelings. If you're a child of God, he has said this, I will never leave you. Fundamentals are important. That's why David says, where can I flee from your presence? Where can I flee from? Even if I go down to Hades or Sheol or Hells and make my bed, you are there. You don't leave your children. It is not bent on my faithfulness. It is based on my faithfulness. It is based on who you are. You said you will not leave me? I will not. Lord, even when I walk through the gutter, you hold your nose and you walk with me because you will not leave me. You will not leave me. Because if you left me, I will never come out of the gutter. If God had left the prodigal son, I'm telling you in the pig pen, he would have never come to his senses. He will not leave you. Is God among us? Is God among us? Is God among us? And now they have drunk from the rock. The first time they're going to drink from the rock 
And in Corinthians 10 and verse 4, Paul says, the rock that followed them is Christ Jesus. They have been delivered from the bondage of Israel by the blood of the Lamb. But the first time they are starting to drink the very life of Christ. You know what the Bible says? Amalek came and attacked them. You sit here in the church, you drink the life of God. Step out and see who will come. Not the Philistines. Not the Jebusites, not the Hittites, not the Amorites. Amalek will come. The flesh will rise. Amalek came. That's what it's written in verse 8. Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. Your flesh contends against the spirit and the spirit contends against the flesh. It is written. Your flesh. That's what happens. And God has said in his word, from generation to generation, he will contend with Amalek. Every generation has to fight flesh. Every generation. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, in verses 1 to 3, Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, oxen, sheep and camel and donkey. You know what the first, the command that is given? You see, do you understand it's so interesting after all the goof of Saul did, the kingdom was taken because of this? Because of this, I have anointed you. What is the purpose of your anointing primarily? First, destroy the Amalekites, every trace of them. In verse 9. Verse 9. Verse 9. Not 19, verse 9. And Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. When God says, destroy everything in your flesh, destroy it all. That is why it is said, the beginning of salvation is repentance from works that lead to death. You know what it is? Good and bad works. Stop. It's easier to save a wicked man than to save a righteous man because he hangs on his good. And God says your good is your block. So whatever looks good in your eyes, in your flesh, will one day trap you. Whatever you left of Amalek is going to haunt you in the future. Because Saul left the Amalekites, what is good in his eyes? Now the Amalekites has come against the next anointed one. It is Amalek that came. And the first job of anointing, everybody wants to be anointed. Anybody who doesn't want anointing? The first purpose of anointing is to kill the flesh. Not ministry. Ministry works on gifts. Anointing breaks the yoke. Anointing breaks the yoke. 
We need the anointing. That's why Jesus said, I have trained you, I have shown you, I have given you my power, everything and all. But now, wait in Jerusalem. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, you shall receive power. Then you become power, you shall be my witnesses. Both in life and works, you become my witnesses. So that is the difference. Suddenly you see people who denied Jesus, ran away afraid, stepping out under the anointing and say, gold and silver we do not have in the name of Jesus Christ. And they are beaten up and they go rich. What changed? Flesh has been overcome. Fear has been overcome. Timidity has been overcome. Because the anointing does it. So in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 1, the Bible says, the Amalekites came. And on the third day, the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire. And verse 2, can I have 2? What does it say? 2, 2, sorry, not 4, verse 2. Verse 2. Had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone and they carried them away and went their way. First thing, if you want to recover something, is make an inventory of what you have lost. Do you know what you have lost? Do you know what you have lost? In the kingdom of God? Do you know what you have lost? David knew what you had lost. Do we know what we have lost? First, know what you have lost. David lost his wives, his children, and his possessions. Do you know what it means to us? Have you lost your marriage? Have you lost your posterity? Have you lost your resources? He lost all three. His marriage, because his wives, his children, his posterity, and his wealth, the resources that you need to fulfill your destiny. He lost all three. Lost all three. Do we know what we have lost? First know what you have lost. And then, we know what happened. They all wept. Verse 4. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Sorrow is good. There are two kinds of sorrow. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, sorrow is divided into two categories. Godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Death. Produces death. Okay, Produces death. Sorrow of the world. 600 men went into the sorrow of the world and it produces death because they wanted to kill David. One man sorrowed biblically. In his sorrow, he turned to God. Sorrow is not the same. Sorrow is not the same. You have to be very careful. There was a sister who recently came from U.S. visited us for a couple of days. She just changed her whole this thing, came and stayed with with us because what happened was her husband died in uh, in. Uh, Turkey. He died in Turkey and she was in Egypt or something. She couldn't reach him before she reached anyway. He died. So she was heartbroken. They were missionaries for years and years. A Korean sister from US. 
She stayed with us a couple of days. She rerouted, came with us. And she says, overcome by sorrow and guilt, she goes to husband's grave every day and puts flowers because she's go over in guilt. That night, I spoke to her. Two things I told her. I said, first react how David reacted when his son died. And he said, there was guilt. I said, he picked up, he walked, and he went back home, and he continued. Second thing I told to her is that, in my life, personally, other than as a pastor, I've buried two people. One is my father, and one is one of the children I lost. Two people I have buried. And I said, till today, I've never gone back to their graves. That's my personal conviction. Either they are alive, or they are not dead. They are dead. If he said they are alive, I will not go to their graves. Graves are where dead men are buried, not the living. And I told her, Jesus asked, the angel asked the women, why do you seek the living among the dead? Either you believe in resurrection or you don't believe. And she told me, maybe that's why I came here. You need to believe. You need to take what Jesus has said on his word. I'm not saying there's anything wrong if you go to the grave of a loved one. I'm talking about my personal convictions, stuff which I will not do. I will not do. Because I take this word as truth. If he said, I'm the resurrection and the life, and even if you die, you will not die, you will live, I believe it. Because Apostle Paul says to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. Yes, grieve. But this is the grieving of a loved one who has parted, whom you will meet later. Later. That's why I said, when the father was dying, he was, I was telling my wife, two days back, I was saying, you know what, this was exactly, when my father was dying, he kept all the other children away and kept me beside him because I was the only believing child. And he said, you know what I was doing? I was just singing songs and I was just praying. And two days before he died, he accepted the Lord. And when he died, I was right beside him watching him and I knew I was dying. And I ran to get the nurse on duty and I was running down the corridor. The Lord told me, your father is with me. And I found the mantle of joy fall upon me and I was laughing because I always worried Will he make it or not? That's why I don't visit his grave. Because I know where he is. And when my other child died, three days later at church, three days later, in the year 1996, three years, days later in the church, while I was leading worship in Hyderabad, the Lord told me, I will give you another son, very carefully, another son, and you shall name him Andrew. And that day evening, when we are having a worship service in the evening, suddenly, I did not know then, at that point in that year, I did not know a man of God from uh, Ethiopia. He stood up and he says, I see your son in Abraham's bosom. I was wondering, what is Abraham's bosom? Because I hadn't read about Lazarus and the rich man. You need to believe this God is real. That's how you overcome. Because there's a sorrow that leads to death. What is the death? The death of your future. 
the death of your destiny, the death of all everything God has planned for you. So 600 men fell into that trap. 600 men fell into the trap. There's a sorrow that leads to death and their response is they're picking up stones to kill him. If they kill him, you know what happened? They are dead. The future is dead. Their destiny is gone. They're wanderers for the rest of their life if they survive. That's what we do. 600 depressed, discouraged men battle these things. I read an article and I was not happy. I was so shocked. It talks about the level of depression in preschoolers in America who have to be given antidepressants. How old are they? Four years old. It's a pandemic, real mental pandemic that is going on in the world. Children, depressed. You cannot be depressed. You cannot be discouraged. You cannot be. Because you go, you will go down. 600 men depressed. 600 men discouraged. 600 men, men willing to take death upon their own hands. And you know what the Bible says? In First Samuel chapter 30. And David was greatly distressed. Why was he distressed? Because these depressed people were talking about killing him. But... David strengthened himself in the Lord. One man stood alone. This is the turning point in David's entire life. One man, all alone. He will be never all alone after this day. This is the only day in his life. He is absolutely all alone. Either he will make it or he will break it. At that point, he turned to God. Question is, which way will you turn? When the day of evil comes, your back is against the wall. You have nobody to call for prayer. You have nobody to hold your hand. You are all alone. Which way will you turn? Which way will you turn? The Bible says, he turned to God. Which way will you turn? You need to know, this is why faith is so important. Because it doesn't matter how far down the rabbit hole you have gone down. There is still a place in life where you can turn back to God. Because the prodigal son's father is a picture of God. He's never moved. He's still waiting and he's still watching. It's written about Israel and God. All day long, I waited with my hands stretched all the very You have to picture this in your heart. In Ezekiel, when finally God leaves Israel, it moves from the temple to the threshold, and then finally it's leaving. It goes to the tops of the mountains of Jerusalem. God is turning around practically in my mind. One more look. Is anybody able to see and say, Lord, Please don't leave. There's nobody. And he leaves. Yes. Cannot go down so far in life where you cannot, you may not be able to turn to any man. Because no man may be there. But you can turn to God. David turned to God. It is from the pig pen 
the prodigal son turned back. The most evil, wicked man in Israel, recorded by history, whose name was Manasseh, who put his own children through the fire. And God listened, didn't listen to any prophet that was sent. God sent the kings of Babylon to put hooks into his noses and brass chains on his hands and dragged him to Babylon and put him in prison. And the Bible says, from there he turned to God and God restored him. That is the God we worship. He turned to God. He turned to God. Anyone should not be forgiven. His man is there. And the prophet of the Lord came to Hezekiah and told, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put your house in order, for you shall surely die. You have nothing to do. You cannot appeal to anybody or not higher than him. So Hezekiah turned to the wall and turned to God. And God changed his verdict and said, You shall live for 15 more years. Yes, the doctor has come and told you, it's over. You're in the final stages. And you're going to die. Turn to God, who says, you shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. You know whom to turn. Each of these people you will realize in those most difficult, crucial moments of life, where they could have no hope from any man on earth, they turned to God. And they found God was there. And the Bible says, David encouraged or strengthened himself in the Lord. That's why the Bible says, my people perish because of the lack of knowledge. Jonah 4.2 So he prayed to the Lord and said, our Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarsus, for I know. I know. Do you know? I know. You are a gracious and a merciful God. Slow to anger. Abundant in loving kindness. One who relents from doing harm. He says, this is, I know this is who you are. Do you know who he is? From the belly of the fish. From the bottom of the sea. With weeds all around him. When he cried, God heard. You cannot physically in this world go lower than Jonah went. The first Guy who traveled in a submarine. And most submarines don't touch the bottom of the sea. This guy probably touched. And from there he cried. And God heard him. He turned to God from there and he says, I know. I know this is who you are. That is why God says, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. They do not know who I am. This is who I am. Yes, the severity of God. Yes, the severity of God was that what took Manasseh in hooks and in chains to Babylon. It is the kindness of God that brought him back. Do you know your God? This is who he is. This is who he is. So you cannot go down so far that God is not able to save you and restore you. That is where the knowledge of God matters. 600 men did not have the knowledge of God. One man had. And that is what saves. One man had the knowledge of God. Look at how God speaks through his prophet Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 33. Therefore you, O son of man, say to the house of Israel, 
Thus you say, if our transgressions and our sins lie upon us and we pine away in them, how can then we live with the weight of sin and transgression, iniquity? We are pining away and we are dying in this foreign land. Captives of Babylon. You know what God says? Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and love. Turn, turn. From your evil ways and love. He says, even when the wicked die, I take no pleasure. God takes no pleasure in the death of anyone. His cry is, would you please turn? Would you just turn? That's all he says. Would you just turn? You see, the knowledge of God can change your destiny. Lack of knowledge of God can destroy your destiny. This is who he is. God of mercy. God of grace. Loving kindness. The entire work of reincarnation and redemption is because God is merciful. He didn't wipe mankind out and start all over again. He says, no, I will save them. That's what the Bible says. Encourage yourself. Psalm 42 verse 5, David would say, Oh my soul, why are you downcast? Why are you downcast? Hope in the Lord. I can't hope in man. All have left me. All are turning against me. I see a stone in every hand, but I shall look up. Right? This is a story of people who you can learn from these people in the Bible. Even the most unimportant like kind of characters in the Bible. Okay, I have Reuben. My husband will be happy. I have Levi. My husband will be happy. I have Simeon. My husband will be happy. He is yoked to Rachel. He has no eyes for Leah. And then she looked up. And she birthed a Judah. She stopped looking for affection from her husband because she knew she would never get his heart. So she looked up. Whose eyes were always upon her because it is written, when God saw Leah was not loved, he opened her womb. Nobody to hug you, Leah. Nobody to kiss you, Abba. Now, man, man, come, man comes to have sex, but he doesn't love you at all. I'll give you these little ones. Hug them and kiss them. You're not satisfied. You're still using this baby to build in his heart. You'll never be satisfied. Look up. She turned to God. And you have Judah. And you have the lion of Judah coming from Leah and not from Rachel. Turn to God. Turn to God. Encourage yourself. Why are you downcast? Oh my soul. Therefore the Bible says in verse 8. So David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. Psalm 50 and verse 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Call upon me in that. This is the day of his biggest trouble. And you know what? He called upon the Lord. And I shall deliver you. David inquired of the Lord. The crisis may be so huge, so big, you have lost all your family, all your wealth. The natural reaction is go. No, wait. Wait. Don't presume or assume. Ask God. 
Oh, I have such a great crisis. I need to rush. No, wait. Go to God first. But I don't have time to pray. Don't worry. If you don't have time to pray, after you finish and goof up, you will have plenty of time on your hands to sit there and regret. That's why we say in English, marry in haste and repent in pleasure. In leisure. Marry in haste and repent in pleasure. Ask God. Don't assume. Don't presume. Yes, the battle belongs to the Lord. But be sure the Lord is in the battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. But be sure the Lord is in the battle. Don't be like Phineas and Hopini and bring the yak and everybody is shouting. They lost their heads. They lost 30,000 soldiers. They lost the ark too. Because they presumed God was in the battle. And God was not in the battle. But David is a wise man. He inquires of the Lord. Shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? Shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? Let me tell you something. There are certain things and certain people they should remain lost in your life. Or if you overtake them and get them back, you will regret it all your life. So ask God. Oh, I miss them so much. They don't miss you. They are sharpening their knives daily. You miss them? They are planning how to use your liver, fry or boiled. Leave it alone. I heard of an old pastor who's gone to be with the Lord. I mean, I've heard this story so many times. Different stories are different. I know. I'm not talking about my experience in the ministry, so I shall quote others. This lady comes to the pastor. Pastor, would you pray with me? I want my husband to come back. Guy had left her years ago. Pastor said, honey, do you really want him to come back? Yes, pastor, I miss him. I want him to come back. Honey, do you really want him to come back? Yes, pastor. Okay. I shall pray. He prayed. And he came back. The next three years were the worst years of her life. He came back, a drug addict, a drunk. And she had to wait hand and foot on him. He finished her off. All her wealth, everything. And then he died. And the pastor asked, Honey, did you want him back? Some people... Remain better lost. Let the Lord Lord restore. Let the Lord restore. Let the Lord restore. Don't bring all your feelings into it. That's why faith comes from hearing. Faith comes from hearing. You don't want all the things, things you lost also back. Remember Abraham's response to the king of Sodom, Bera? Give me the men, keep the wealth. I said, I don't want anything. Not even a thong from your sandal. You can keep it. I didn't fight for money. I didn't get into this for money. That's what Elisha tells Naman. God bless you. You can have your healing and keep your wealth. I don't want anything. 
I didn't get into this for money. Another fellow ran after Naman. You need to be very sure. You don't want certain things in your life. You don't want certain people back in your life. You don't want all people in the church. No. It is written in the book of Acts. The Lord added to their numbers those who are being saved. There was a mixed multitude that followed Israel out of Egypt. Wherever they went, they created trouble. So ask the Lord. Shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? God's answer could be, you can have nothing back. That is Jericho. Nothing. The city will fall before you. You will kill everybody, but you will not touch anything in that city. Devote it all to the Lord. You can have nothing. Or he may say you can have some. Or he can say you can it have you can have it all. Or sometimes he will say you will have it exceedingly, abundantly. More you can you can think or imagine. Do you know what? That's what happened to David at Ziklag. Not only did he recover. All he had lost. He got everything the Amalekites had taken from others too. Exceedingly, abundantly, more than he could think or imagine. You don't know which way it is, but let God decide. Like I said, God is not a conjuice. Remember the little boy and the father who went to the shop to buy something? And the shopkeeper was the father's friend. And so he said, son, here. Take a handful of peanuts. He said, no. Take a handful of peanuts. He said, no. Daddy said, take son. He said, no. And the man said, no son. And he took a handful. He lifted his t-shirt and he took. <laughs> and while he was going, his father said, why didn't you take it? He said, his hands are bigger. You know what? God's hands are much bigger than you can even think. His will is perfect. It is just not good. It is just not pleasing. It is perfect. So don't ever, ever fear or hesitate to go to surrender to God's will. Because you know what? It's good. It's pleasing. It's perfect. David is very hesitant. He says, Shall I pursue? Shall I overtake them? He doesn't talk about recovery. Because he doesn't know what is the state of his family and the families of the children. He doesn't know. Shall I recover all? And then God says, you shall pursue, you shall surely overtake and recover. Boom. All are alive. My wives are alive. Untouched. My children are alive. Because my God has said, you shall recover all. That is the power of hearing from God. That is the power of hearing from God. That's why you have to personally hear from God. You have to hear. Once that is, you know what, once you hear that, if you are a man of faith, adrenaline starts pumping through your veins. Three days of hunger and tiredness is forgotten. 
The fact that you have not eaten is forgotten. The fact that you had no strength to weep is forgotten. There is a new strength that comes because that's what Rama does, the spoken word of God. It speaks right into your spirit. And the very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead quickens your mortal body. You are ready for battle now because I have heard. If you are heard from God, you cannot lose that battle. You cannot lose that battle. That is why hearing is so important. Hearing is so important. Do you know what's the first thing that God says? Shall I overtake them? When it comes to overtaking, he says, you shall surely overtake. Surely overtake. Mithel, when you have lost people and things in life, time is not your friend. Time is your enemy. Time is not your friend. It's your enemy. And God sets you for battle. What you need is speed. You need an anointing that causes you to overtake the enemy that has stolen. You need speed. It's an anointing that gives you speed. There is an anointing that will quicken you. Quicken you. That will cause you to go ahead of what has been stolen. That has been blocking your destiny. Because I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. That's time past. And only God can do that. Elijah has probably not even eaten that day or for days. Ahab has gone to eat. And Elijah has been on his face before the Lord. Eight times he sends his servant. Seven times he comes back and sees, says, I see nothing. And the eighth time he says, I see a cloud like the hand of a man. The clouds that is going to saturate Israel with water is only the size of a man's hand. But a little later, the hand of the Lord comes upon Elijah. He tucks his cloak into his waist belt and he runs faster than the king's chariot, which have been drawn by the best horses in the country. He's so fast. He overtakes the chariot and comes to the gates of Jezreel and stops because there is an anointing that will speed him. Father, I speak now in the name of Jesus. For everyone whose destiny blessings have been blocked by the enemy. And it's lying far ahead of them. I pray, Father, there will be a speed released upon them, Lord. An anointing that will cause them to be fast, O Lord. That they will pursue and they will overtake and they will recover whatever the enemy has taken. Praying and waiting upon the Lord is never a waste of time. It's a gain of time. For it is written, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall soar up like eagles. Do you know something about the eagles? Do you know something about eagles? Eagles don't flap their wings. They use the wind. They don't flap their wings. They don't, they don't extend their energy. They use the wind. They shall soar like eagles. But I keep telling you about Joseph. 
You would have thought those 13 years in slavery and in prison was wasted. No, he was waiting on the Lord. And when the time came, God had renewed his strength. I said yesterday too, morning when he was called, he was a slave in the king's dungeon. Evening he was commander and governor of all of Egypt. In one day he reached, which was impossible for any man to reach that position ever in his lifetime. One day, that's all it took. One day, morning slave, evening governor, prince of Egypt. One day, because those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall soar up like eagles. That's what God says. You shall surely overtake. Surely overtake. Surely overtake. Surely overtake. Look at verse 9. Pursue shall surely, so David went. Why did David go? Because he heard from God. Why did you go? Because you heard from God. So David went. These are small verses there. Don't miss the spiritual implications of this. So David went. Why, what is the so there for? It is not written, David went. It is written, so David went. What does the source signify? I inquired of the Lord and he told me, surely you will overtake. And without fail, you will recover all. I am going with the strength of God's promise behind me. I'm telling you, a man who has an anointing and the promise of God, you can't defeat him. You cannot defeat him. He's got an anointing of God. And he's got the promise of God. You know what I say? The wind is behind him. The wind is at his back. The wind is not against him. The wind is against him. It's for him. He cannot be defeated. The enemy has no resources by which he can be stopped. And David is on the go. And while he's on the go, 200 stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the brook. If you have God's power, God's presence, and God's promise, numbers don't matter. Numbers don't matter. When you don't have God, everything matters. When you have God, numbers are irrelevant. Don't get discouraged because 200 people dropped up. And don't get upset with them too. You need to realize this is a battle. In this battle, you don't take discouraged, depressed people around. Because in this battle, it's not going to work. Even Jesus was very careful about that. Jairus' daughter is dead. Everybody is saying, mourning, crying, she's dead. Don't waste the master's time. He put everybody outside. Put everybody outside. And he just took three disciples with him. Put the other nine out. Other nine out. Took James, John and Peter. It's not discrimination. It is factual reality of those who have faith and who do not have faith. Because in battle, it's a battle of faith. You want those who are faith, not numbers. Not numbers. Numbers are irrelevant in the kingdom of God. 
What you want is people of faith who will fight this battle. It is written, the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Not the prayer. Is that faith? On the Mount of Transfiguration, only three were there. The other nine were not given the opportunity to see it. Because even to see certain things, you need to rise to that level of faith to be able to see and handle it. That's why the Bible says, grow in the most holy faith. And in the Holy Spirit. Understand, these things are real. And God is not being discriminatory. He's just protecting us. Because you need to understand these things. Because we are running a race, our own race. So 200 dropped out because they could not cross the brook Besor. But David perceived. David Percy. It's a man on mission. He did not get upset with them. Now what is it? He said, okay. Okay, you guys sit over there. You rest. Here, take all the baggage off. Give it to them. Let them hold the baggage. I think it's Napoleon who said, the army that travels fastest, travels lightest. Put it all over there. Put away every weight. Every weight that is shackling your progress towards your destiny. Put it away. Put it away. You don't need all those things. Things are good. Every perfect and good gift comes from above. But if things have become a stumbling block in your lives, get rid of those things. Get rid of those things. Don't carry things. Which you don't know how to use. But the first lesson Saul learned from David. Gave him an armor, everything. He put it all and found he could not turn. He says, my Lord, I am not used to this. Please take your armor, take your shield, take your sword. Please, I am used to this. Guma guma ke marenge. We are soldiers in the Lord's army, not clowns. March light. March light. We'll go to communion. March light. We'll go to communion. Right? I just love this arrangement where I can see all the little ones in one row. Look at that. Sitting there quietly away from the custody of the parents. They are like those prisoners when Paul and Silas prayed in Philippi, remember? Everybody's chains came off and every gate and door was open and the jailer wanted to kill himself. But he said, don't, we all are here. Captivated by the spirit of God, they all are there. They have been released from the chains of Sunday school and they have come up. <laughs> no, it was not chains. That was liberty of the Sunday school. Team. More liberty upstairs. So let's have the elders. We will go. It's lovely to see children sitting there and watching and listening. You don't think they don't know what you are saying. They understand. They do understand. They will understand and in their little sphere of experience, they will put it together and it's fantastic. Okay. Little Athira is reading a storybook to her sister, I think. And she says, say something about cactus. And then says, cactus has this thorn which will poke you 
and give you a shock like an injection. What brains, no? Now, we could have never thought that out. She bought electricity, she bought medical science, and she bought natural phenomena, she put it all together. Now, think about it. Even Pastor Vijay and I can't do that. She's beyond university level. From medical sense, she brought injection. From physics, she brought electricity. And then from natural world, she brought cactus. She put it all together and she's teaching her sister. So don't despise any of these little ones. They shall do. Yes, yes, Pastor Vijay, come. Let's have, let's have communion. Let the elders come quickly. The elders come. We have communion. Come by faith to the Lord's table. Every time you come, come by faith. Come, come. Come in faith. Come in faith. Keep coming in faith. And when it comes to you, take it by faith. You already heard, He's merciful, He is gracious. Turn to the Lord. It's known, unknown. Confess, unconfess. Acknowledge to Him. The Lord is near. And you are ready. It will bring healing. We need one more person. Anybody who's not here? Samir is here. Samir, yeah. from your sin. Only what he has done. You know what? It is done. It is done. So this morning, like all the people we have heard, turn to Jesus. Look to the cross. The fountain still flows. For Emmanuel's waves. It's a fountain. And sinners plunge into it. When you come out of it, Every sin, every transgression, every iniquity is forgiven and broken. Believe today. Start afresh. Start new. When the elements come to you, believe. Lord, as a partake of these elements, of your body and your blood, as it is written, I will not be weak. I'll be strong. I will not be ill. I'll be well. And I will not be spiritually asleep or spiritually deceived. I'll be quickened and I will be awake. And I will hear and I will see and I will believe. Take that it way. Father, this morning we come to you. We are proclaiming your death. That you died. The righteous one died for us, the sinners. Our life comes from your death. 
that man does not have to die anymore. We are proclaiming your death. We are proclaiming your resurrection. We are proclaiming your life. And I pray once again today, as by faith we partake of it, there will be a divine transference, O Lord. From sickness to health. From weakness to strength. From lethargy, sleepiness, to an awakening in the inner man. I pray, Father, for everyone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. While I draw this fleeting breath, when my eyes shall close in death, when I soar to worlds unknown, see the old thy judgment throne, rock of ages, clap for me, let me hide myself in thee. But David. Wherever you see David written, but David, put your name there. Okay? The month of October, the second day. Put your name over there. But. Okay. Everybody was discouraged in my family. But. 200 dropped out or two dropped out in my family. But. I pursued. And verse 11. 30 and verse 11. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. And they gave him bread and he ate. And they let him drink water. Two lessons from the Egyptian. First lesson is the warning. Be careful of who you and what you leave behind. It may come to haunt you one day. The little things that are not taken care of can come back to destroy you one day. Little things. It is the little foxes that destroy the vines. Not the big elephant that comes to trample the orchard. The little foxes. For the elephants we are ready with flames and trumpets and drums and all foxes. I still remember when I was young, five years old, I was on Fox Watch. Not on Fox News, on Fox Watch. Because my house where we lived was next to the Manas Wildlife Sanctuary. So chickens were let out only in the evening. And my mother used to say, watch. And these fellows look like dogs. And suddenly these dogs suddenly comes and picks one and goes. And I will say in typical Malayalam, amme ayo amme poi. <laughs> Means, amma. So I was on Fox Watch. But we forget about the foxes that eat the wines. I don't know which country. I mean, this happened many times probably, but this particular story I know. A guy kidnapped a young girl, took her in the car, took her to the bushes, raped her, strangled her, killed her. And he left. The cops came, they found the body, they searched everything, and then under the bushes, one cop found one button. Took it quietly, put it inside. 
little later. The man did not know at all. In the struggle that took place, one button had come off. That one button took him to the gallows. The Amalekites left one Egyptian behind. And they will die because of what they left behind. So be careful. Be careful. Good criminals who are never caught in this life are because they never leave a paper trail behind. When I was a young teenager, very young teenager, my eldest brother gave me very sound advice. He said, son, if you fall in love with a girl, speak it, never write it. Because probability in terms of life, you will never end up marrying her. Don't leave a paper trail. <laughs> Some young men has come awake and they have been made, made, made very wise. Okay. Be careful about what you leave behind. Okay? The first lesson of an Egyptian. Second lesson of the Egyptian is don't ignore the little people in your life. The little things in your life. Don't ignore them. Don't ignore them. But they can change your life. There was a little servant girl in Naman's house. Little servant girl in Naman's house. Who was taken as a slave during one of their raids. But that little girl would bring deliverance in that house. There was a little boy with five loaves of fish. Two little fish would feed a multitude. The prophet in Samaria was preparing to die. People prepare to live. She was preparing to die because poverty and hunger can really bite. And she knew her reality. One handful of flour, a little oil, make two cakes, eat and die. But that little, when she put it into the prophet's hands, would sustain her through the rest of the famine. Don't ignore the little things you have. The other widows whose sons were going to be taken as creditor. And Elijah, Elisha asked, what do you have? She said, nothing. But a little oil. That little oil is going to free her from debt. And also give her a surplus to live through those seasons. You may have something very little and ignored in your life. That could be what is going to cause you to recover what is lost. That's what God asked Moses. What do you have? He said, a staff. He said, with this staff, which you had for 40 years in your hand, I shall deliver Israel out of Egypt. What do you have? The little things. An ox cord. David had a sling. All Samson could, in the hour of crisis, was find a donkey's jawbone. What is that you have? 
Don't ignore those little things. Ask God to show. Ask God to show. Because we are always, our eyes in this world are tuned to big things and big people. But deliverance lies sometimes in small things and small people. And there was an Egyptian lying over there, sick. Egyptian. It's not your natural friend. It's your natural enemy. Third lesson. Feed your enemy. When you find your enemy in your hands, the power is in your hands. The tables have been turned. Don't kill him. Feed him. Don't kill him. Feed him. Elisha blinded the Syrians. And brought him into Samaria. And the king of Samaria says, Father, shall I kill them? Elisha says, what? Feed them nicely. Throw a party and send them back. Let them go to their master. I want to see the last part of it. Come. Yeah. The Bible says, so the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. You know why? Because he fed them. That's what Lincoln was called. Lincoln used to make friends with his enemies. Even during the Civil War. So they said, Mr. President, you're supposed to be as commander-in-chief of the U.S. Army. You're supposed to be killing your enemies. He said, that's exactly what I'm doing when I make them my friends. I kill my enemies. Get these lessons. Feed your enemy. And verse 16. Verse 16. And when he had brought him down there, they were spread out all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing. Eating and drinking and dancing because of the, all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah plus Ziglag. What are they doing? Eating, drinking and dancing. That's what the enemy does. Every time he steals your time, your talent, and your treasure. You know what the devil does? He dances. He gets his vicarious joy by hurting God's creation, his children. That's what he dances. Do you know what the prophet Micah says? In 7 verse 8, Do not rejoice over me, my enemy, when I fall. I will arise. Your dancing is too premature. Too premature. You're trying out your new steps while I'm coming here to knock the legs off of you, underneath you. Too premature. So you should tell the devil, you are dancing in vain. Even if I fall down, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. The Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is the glory and the lifter of my head. Is, is, is. The Psalms are the experiences of David's battles in life. Where he has personally experienced the hand of God. Verse 17 says, Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. It's a long battle. 
It's a tiring battle. So don't expect it to be easy. Okay? You want to recover all? You will have to fight hard, fight long, till the last day of your life. This is a battle. Whether you like it or not, you have been sent into battle. If you don't fight, you will die. If you fight, listen to him and fight, you will win. There are only two options. There is no third option. It's like I'm Switzerland, neutral. It won't work. Second World War spared Switzerland. COVID didn't. So be careful about this. It's a long fight. That's why we are preparing you to fight. Preparing you to fight. That's why your prayer closet is your battleground. If you come out of your prayer closet one, you have won that day. If you come out of your prayer closet unsure or lost, you have lost that day. Jesus came out every early morning winning in his prayer closet. And the day did not matter what the challenge was that day. The sick, the demon possessed, the crowds, storms, lack of food, it did not matter it was. Because that was not the battlefield. The battlefield was his prayer closet. The battlefield was not Calvary. The battlefield was Gethsemane. If he had lost in his prayer closet, he would have lost on the cross. He won at Gethsemane, therefore he won on the cross. So work on your prayer life. This is serious. Work on your prayer life. Work on your word life. Work on your prayer life. You need to train your spirit how to pray. How to pray. And learn from the master. The Bible says, as he was praying, everyone was getting baptized, he was praying, and the heavens opened. How long do you pray until the heavens open? Crowds followed him. How long you pray? You prayed until you are sure 12 specific names and faces from these multitudes. These are the 12 that is chosen. I cannot go wrong in this. How long did he pray? He prayed until his face was transfigured. Learn. Pray. Pray. Because this is our battleground. Prayer closet is your battleground. You lose on your knees, you will lose. The army of God, which saints said, the army of God marches on its knees. But, if you fight, you will recover. And like David, whatever God wants to give us back, you will recover. You will recover. It's a promise from God. David recovered all. And son of David, Jesus on the cross, recovered all. And he is now reconciling the whole creation back to the Father, reigning on behalf of the Father, until he has put all the enemies under his feet, then he will take the kingdom and give it to the Father, and he too will be subject to the Father. There is a battle reigning on. Jesus is fighting. Do you know where Jesus is fighting? In his prayer closet, for he makes intercession for all those who come to him. He is still praying. He is not preaching. He is praying. Every intercessor who stands on earth, he prays with them. 
Everyone who actually connects with God, he prays with them. That's the battlefield. But the Bible says the saints were praying, Jesus is praying, and there is war in heaven. Angels are released. Angels are released. We need to understand there is a real battle that we are involved in. Because recovery is promised. The question is, will we fight? That's why Paul will say, I have fought. End of his life, he says, I have fought. I have fought. In Romans 8.31, he will say, if God is for me, who can be against me? Just make sure. That's all David wanted to Are you with me? Should I go or should I not? If I pursue, will I overtake? God said, I shall surely overtake and recover. That means I am with you. If God is for me, who can be against me? And 837, in all these things, go read the list. Everything is in the list. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Exodus 15 and verse 3. The Lord is a man of, the Lord is a, therefore I am a man or a woman of war. If your Lord is a man of war, you and I are called to be men and women of war. Spiritual warfare, not fighting with people. The Lord is a man of war and the Lord is his name. He is a man of war. The war going on for 6,000 years. But now he fights it through his children. The spirit of God fights it through his children. He's a man of war. And this is where our, our, our confession says to be. He is a man of war. Therefore, I am a man of war. He is a rock. Therefore, I will not be moved. Your confessions have to be like that. Therefore, I will not be. That is David's life. This is who he is. And this is my response. And it has to be personalized. It has to be personalized. Then it becomes real. Jesus died. That is history. Jesus died for me. That is salvation. Verses 22 and 23. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. And David said, My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given. They came back. 200 people are sitting there with the baggage. And 400 people said, nope, no sharing. They can take their family and go. And David said, no. Why? In victory, show mercy. Show? Because only kings can go show mercy. Remember, only kings can show Mercy. If you believe you are a royal priesthood, kings and priests for him forever, every opportunity you get to show mercy, show mercy. Because only kings can show mercy. Show mercy. Do you know where it all began? All began with one verse. David, no, encouraged himself in the Lord. That's where it all begins. I'm telling you honestly. It's very difficult for God to speak to a depressed and a discouraged person. Why do we have worship 
before pray, uh, word to encourage yourself. To put away the spirit of lethargy, heaviness, put on the garment of praise so the spirit of heaviness will live, then your ears are open to listen. God says, you want to hear something from me? Say something to me. I have to say something to you. Enter my gates with thanksgiving and my courts with praise. Not for him, for my sake. So that that spirit will go. That's why we begin our day with worship. That's why it's gadgets are there. Put it on. Don't have to disturb the others in the house. Listen to worship. Listen to the word. And you will suddenly hear discouragement is gone. Depression is gone. You are able to hear from God. Hear from God. That's how it all began. How did it all begin? David encouraged himself in the Lord. Why? Anyone who believes, comes to God, must believe that he is. 600 men stumbled. One man stood. Luke 13 and verse 21, we'll close. 13 and verse 21. Uh, 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 Not that, not that. Is it Matthew 13 and 21? Look at Matthew 13, 21. Yeah. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Why did 600 men stumble? Simply because the word had not rooted in their hearts. Simple reason. Your day will come. Your day will come. The word of God has to be deposited into your heart. There's something beautiful written in Luke 2 and verse 51 about Mary. She heard so many things about her son. Prophecies from Simeon and all kind of things. And it is written, he went down with them and came to Nazareth, was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. All these things should be kept in your heart. Kept in your heart. The same David would say in Psalm 119 and verse 11. How does your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you? Hidden in your heart. What is sin? Whatever is not of faith is sin. At that day, when there is nobody beside you, and you are facing your darkest moment, have you hidden the word in your heart? So that it can come. That the Holy Spirit can bring to your remembrance what you have hidden. Remember these things. These are important things. People fail not because God is in there. People fail in spite of God being there. Because they don't know how to turn to God. They don't know how to turn to God. That's why the Bible keeps on saying to the young people. No, serve the Lord in the days of your youth. Your creator in the days of your youth. It's good for a young man to bear a yoke when he is young. Young. These disciplines, if you come to the Lord early, these are the days that when you get saved at whatever age, give yourself wholly to prayer and the word. Because when you are new in the Lord, that is the first love. Or young, you have a lot of energy and strength. You will see what is this all for. This is David. He had spent time worshipping God and worshipping God and meditating upon his God. And when the day of evil came, he stood. And every time he stood, it did not matter what the devil threw at him. Somebody's sin or his own sin, he always stood. And God heard him. 
God heard it. Otherwise, we will stumble. Otherwise, we will stumble. Okay, we will stumble. Because that's what we need to realize. Because in the parable of the the of the of the sower, Jesus says something. When the word is sown, the first thing the devil comes is steals the word. Why? The word of God has power to work in those who believe. Don't forget what you have heard. Go back and listen it over and ever. Let God speak to you. I spoke to you now. Let God speak to you. When you listen over and over, God will speak to you. He will speak to you. And he will get you a specific word from God. And you know what? Don't let the devil steal it. Don't let the devil steal it. Don't let the devil steal it. That's why it is so important. So this morning we will stand up. We have heard. We have heard. You can recover all. You can recover all. Whatever it is lost, whatever is in God's heart, mind for you, you can recover it all. It is a battle, but you have been equipped for battle. You have been equipped for battle. There is one verse in First Samuel 16, 13. Yeah, 16, 13. There's one verse over there. This is the defining moment in David's life. Okay, it is written. Samuel came to his house. David came. Just uh, 16... Yes, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Okay. You need to realize, Saul also was anointed. David also was anointed. There is a difference between the anointing. He was anointed from the horn. I will, he is the horn of my salvation. Horn is power. Symbolizes power. And that's what God said, tarry until you have received power from above. That is what the Holy Spirit brings. He brings power. We need that. That's the spirit of God in us. And he gives anointing without measure. And as parents, lay your hands upon your children. Let there be an impartation. You just keep blessing them. Let there be an impartation. Lord, I want power. I'm facing these battles. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. Lord, I need power. This changed everything. You know, Saul was not anointed with the horn of salvation. He was anointed from a flask. And he could never win his flesh. And David won. David won. Ask for this. Ask. And you shall receive. Shall we pray? Father, this morning we come to you. We too stand, Lord. Maybe many in their crossroads. The faith may be stumbling, crumbling. But today, Father, I pray your word will lift their heart up, their spirit up. That you would uphold your people with your right hand, wherever they are, Lord. There is a sister in a sick bed in another nation, in New York. You are on the verge of giving up. You will not quit. God has not given up on you. If you believe a lie, you empower the lie. If you believe what God says, His Spirit empowers you today. The Son of Man always comes to seek to save the lost. He always comes to give life. Even today, He has come to give life. Arise. 
Arise. Arise. Look at the devil in his face and says, Enemy, you shall not rejoice over me. Even if I fall, I will rise. For he is the strength of my life. He is my rock, my fortress, my salvation, my glory, the lifter of my head. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will not fear any evil, for he is with me. It doesn't matter who surrounds me, friends or foes. He spreads a table for me. He anoints my head. And is willing to anoint my head until my cup overflows. He's not a miser with anointing. He anoints until my cup overflows. Lord, let my life be like Joseph. Who was planted by the well. Whose boughs, branches went over the wall. Let your children, their cups overflow. Let the spirit of God flow through their lives and touch and set others free, O Father. For we have been blessed like Abraham to become a blessing. Bless the work of their hands. Bless them when they go out. Bless them when they come in. Bless their homes. Bless their workplace. Bless their family, their household, and their friends and colleagues. For we are people of a blessing. Let an unction come upon them. Let the strength of the Almighty overshadow them. Let them pursue, overtake, and recover all that the enemy has stolen. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. And we declare in your house, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. All God's people said, Amen, Amen. With the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen. Amen.